This podcast is brought to you by Infinite Resources, a local staffing agency connecting diverse job candidates and central Iowa companies. Amplified. Welcome back to another episode of Black and Privileged in America podcast. Power, love, and money conversations relevant to black people, sponsored by Infinite Resources. I'm your host, Abhinav Sankofa. In today's episode, we are navigating the intersection of black mental health and the challenges of holiday stress. Mm. Here to guide us is Brianne Ward, a licensed mental health counselor and a nationally recognized certified rehabilitation counselor. Brianne founded Forward Consulting in 2014 and has been providing mental health therapeutic services in Des Moines, Iowa since 2019. The goal today is to discover ways to prioritize well-being during this festive season. Mm. Brianne, welcome to Black and Privileged in America podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Abana. This is such an honor. Wow, I'm glad you're here. We've got a lot to unpack for, like, me. I'm kind of selfish. This is, like, free therapy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but real I mean, life, though. though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I first, um, well, not first. I mean, we've been acquainted for some time. But mm-hmm. recently there was the My City, My Health conference mm-hmm. here in Des Moines. Yeah. And you were a panelist for the mental health panel. Yes. And I really found that your contribution and the other panelists as well, uh, it was it was really spectacular, and I thought, well, this is a conversation we need to have with the Black and Privileged in America audience. So thank you again. No problem. Thanks for having me. So what is your specialty? Like, what is your, your niche? I mean, what part yeah. of our minds do you pick or fix? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I started this road out as being a crisis interventionalist, so that means, you know. I've never heard that phrase. Yes, so that means that we intervene in crisis. And okay. so I worked at a agency where we just were violent crime responders. And uh, what I realized is that I was burning out pretty thin um, because we were only capturing the thing on the surface we couldn't go underneath so, that's so you were catching people right after some immediate yes, trauma and yes. kind of making sure that they were okay and that's it absolutely okay yep and then you would see them come back or they were attached some other way to another crisis and so I went back to school to become a mental health therapist and so um, I find that moderate to severe trauma that's the that the, that's the thing that um, I know I was purposed to help people through um, and how does that happen? Uh, faulty internal messages that are formed because of family uh, dynamics or dysfunction. Um, abrupt family uh, disruption. That's been something that I've enjoyed as well. And so I just like to that help. That sounds funny. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I get mean, it, but yeah. like... I enjoy abrupt family disruption. I, I know. I get I'm it, sorry. That's no, don't bad. don't be sorry. It's just like this is a whole different language. Okay, a different way of a, a different lens through which to look through the world. So I find myself trying to see through that lens, and Absolutely. so some of the language sounds a little different to me. And it's it, that's an interesting observation. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why do I say I like to help people through family disruption? Yeah, those are the families that are usually. Through the cracks. They fall through the cracks. Mm, and there's a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm very helpful in those moments. Do you find that the families that fall through the cracks have something in common? Like, is it race? Is it oh. is it class? Uh-huh. Is it income? What, did, what do they have in common? Everything you just mentioned. Wow. Yeah. There's a huge intersectionality of 
uh, poverty and ethnicity um, and zip code. Yeah, oh, zip code. Mm-hmm. That's like a social determinant. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Interesting. I mean, so if, if someone lives in a poverty-stricken zip code, what does that mean for their mental health? They feel like they have to do it alone, and it is a shame type thing. So I don't want you to add one more layer to me. So I'm going to call it I'm strong or I'm hustling or I'm Mm. getting it. Okay, that's all familiar. Mm -hmm. In black communities, Mm -hmm. those words are seen as kind of like a badge of honor. Absolutely. I hear the one that I hear often. I'll figure it out, though. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm guilty of saying that. Mm hmm. But then we always do. It feels like, right? What are we missing? So, okay, what is it that we don't understand? Mm. And by we, the we I'm referring to Mm -hmm. is black people. This is black and privileged in America. Absolutely. So what don't we understand about mental health? Because, like, I get what you're saying as Mm -hmm. those those words, those phrases you mentioned are signs of, of stress or something going on. But the fact that we see that, Uh, Mm -hmm. largely as that badge of honor, what are we not understanding about mental health? Well, you know, I believe that those badges of honor kept us alive for so long, you know. Survival. Absolutely. And so when people are tired of surviving, they want to thrive, then you have to change language and you have to dive deeper. You know, we can't keep normalizing or validating um, Uncle Johnny, who we know you can't sit near him or sit near on his lap, or we can't keep validating being verbally abused by Aunt Sally. Like, those things have been normalized and validated so often, and then it starts to play with our psyche. Okay, because, see, now you're saying a word. Hey, now. It's like when when Aunt Sally tells you to come here or is asking, like, when are you going to have babies or when are you going to get married? Yep. Culturally respecting elders Mm -hmm. is huge. Like you answer their questions. You speak when you enter the room, all of these things that, that are normal in our culture. Absolutely. So, um, how do we, how do we do that without seeming disrespectful? You know, I think it's just conversation and many times. Now, you know, black people don't want to talk about anything, girl. We don't want to talk (laughs) about anything, but I think there's a way that we can talk about things. Hmm. Right. So I know for me, uh, what I have found in my short experience of being a professional is that a lot of African-Americans that I do therapy with, they're boundless. They don't have any boundaries. They, they, They touch and go and do whatever everybody says, which is people pleasing behavior. And so for me, you know, what I have learned is that I I think you can love from a distance. I think that you can create boundaries that are feasible for everyone Um, and you have to understand how to communicate those. But more importantly, you know, I think silence and distance and using the word no respectfully can change some things for us. Wow. Okay. Using the word no. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, no is not a hard word to say. Mm-mm. It's a totally complete sentence. Mm-hmm. But in that cultural context, I can see how people would have a hard time with that. Absolutely. And so that's why we have to um, help people learn what communication is. You know, what what is healthy? What is unhealthy? What is passive? What is aggressive? You know, so, you know, there's ways that we sit down and we rehearse those things with people so they won't just be like in the lion's den. (laughs) Yeah. What did COVID do to us? And I mean, in terms of like the pandemic itself, because... You know, the whole world was impacted yeah. by this thing. We were on lockdown for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, limited access to stuff that we're usually 
used to having access to mm-hmm. isolation on top of COVID itself yeah. and the devastating impact it had on families, on communities, on the here. death and the loss. So what yeah. did that do to black folks? Woo. Okay. First of all, we know that we are relational people, right? So we get our energy. We get that connection through connecting. And what we found, what I found in my practice was that people felt like their connections were dwindling and they were finding out who were their real friends, their real supports. And it was devastating. So I had a lot of African-Americans clients who would up their therapy. You can go up to two times a week and that's what they were doing. Um, I also realized that COVID is collective trauma. So, okay, let's bracket it up. Black people are a part of historical trauma, which in, includes uh, slavery and all of the legalistic things that were happening to us as a people. So then you put COVID on it, which is a collective trauma because we all had to go through it, and it magnified or it exaggerated everything that we were already going through. So all of the existing disparities yes. were it's, multiplied. My gosh. Gosh. Okay. So, gosh. Okay. Now, you mentioned that some of your clients upped their therapy Mm -hmm. frequency. Mm -hmm. I know that has a lot to do with access. Having access to you is a barrier for a lot of people. This conversation, we've been talking like six minutes, (laughs) and already I feel like I'm learning so much that I could apply to my life. So the fact of someone having access to you Mm -hmm. or a a, a professional like you twice a week Mm -hmm. seems like a luxury. What is the issue with access insurance? Why is it so expensive? Why does it seem so complicated? Yeah. Now, this is something I think everyone has a soapbox about in my field. Get on that soapbox, please, if you have one. I have one. (laughs) Uh, So here's the thing. Medicaid has been amazing. Right. And so we have a new MCO managed care organization called Molina. Um, However, with that transition, um, there was some laws that went into effect or there were some amendments. And so um, sometimes those amendments mean that you have shortened access uh, to certain services. Yeah. And mental health is probably one of them because the government does not. I mean, while they make some concession, Mm -hmm. it's. It's not a priority for them, mm-hmm. how well we are in our heads and in our minds, right? Especially, Is that true? Especially state benefits. You have this long to get it together, and you better have it together. And if you don't, well, I'm, you know, sorry. Uh, but the thing about Medicaid, which I am grateful for, um, is that it just upped its rates. So they're actually reimbursing us what we are truly worth now. Oh. Right. And so when we think That's about. That's wonderful. Oh, yeah. So when you think about access, um, it's just knowledge. Many people don't know you don't have a copay with Medicaid. Many people don't know you get up to two times a week. It's just education and making sure people have access to that and they can utilize their benefits better. So what about the the person, the family member or whatnot who is, who may be underemployed, mm. so they have a job, mm-hmm. maybe it's part-time, yep. and they don't have insurance at all, mm-hmm. yet because they have income, they don't qualify for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Can they still come and see you? Absolutely. And how much would it cost that person? Because yeah. there's a lot of those people out there. There, There is. And so um, we operate from a sliding uh, fee scale. We also are aware of people who give out stipends for people to get free therapy. That's good to know. Yeah, Taraji P. Henson has a wonderful foundation, and she um, helps with that as well. So just got to go out and find the resources. 
Thank you. Thank you. I hope that speaks to someone. Like, I, I literally want that to just sit with someone who may be struggling. Absolutely. And they feel like there's no recourse. And here's a beautiful thing about services, how I operate. You can do a consultation for free with me. You get up to 30, 30 minutes to just ask questions. Now, can that 30 minutes be broken up, like, 15 <laughs> minutes here and then the rest of the 15 <laughs> minutes next week? Like, <laughs> No, complete sentence, no. <laughs> you practice what you preach. That's right. Okay, that's what's up. So I want to talk about, kind of circle back to trauma a little bit. Absolutely. I don't want to live there because there's more to um, the black American experience oh, man. than trauma. Yeah. There's so much more than that. Absolutely. Of course, one of my favorite quotes um, is, that if you begin our history at slavery, then everything after that seems like progress mm -hmm. because our history doesn't mm -hmm. begin there. But we're, we've been so steeped in trauma, yeah. um, especially like you mentioned, during COVID, we saw uh, uh, racial uprisings after the murder of George yeah. Floyd yeah. and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, mm -hmm. and then many, many more before that and since. So what effect have you seen in your practice that, uh, repeated anti-black violence mm. and death being shown on TV, and it's mm. constant and constant and constant. What effect has that had on your clientele or people that you know in the community? Absolutely. Or on us in general. What is that yeah. doing to us? So here's the deal. I am counseling people who look like me through the same thing that I'm trying to process through. See? Right? That's a layer. That yeah. is a whole layer. So here's the thing. So uh, I would not look at news. I would not, because it was just overwhelming for me. It was too much. And so when I would go and get my son from my grandma's house, she just keeps the news going. So I'm, I have to look at the replay, you know, and now it's like, oh, my gosh, it's in my head. So what did it do? One, it exposed what everybody's been saying forever. That I told you I wasn't crazy. I told you this was a thing. Yeah, because uh, they thought we were crazy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They sure did. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I think number two, uh, clients were just like, okay, so what do I do after this? Then again, it also brought out stories. Okay, so I want to move forward, but this triggered me because my TT, my uncle, my brother, my cousin, this has been going on forever. And so it actually brought people to disclosure. Um, so now I can see why are you so anxious? Why are you so depressed? Why do you want to pop off all the time? Well, you were hiding something. You were hiding that story because it was so uh, minimized by culture. And so now we have something that we can talk about. Wow, and I can to talk about. And I can guide you through that because you, people start to invalidate themselves or their feelings because they keep getting overlooked. So why am I going to keep telling this story or why am I going to share this with y'all? Y'all going to just say, be strong yeah. or get over it mm -hmm. or that's too bad. And then what? That's, wow, okay. So basically what I think I'm hearing you say is that by sharing our personal stories, yes. our personal narrative, yes. we can find some liberation Ooh. there. And freedom, like it, it, and then it gives you language. So that, ah, so if someone, so if someone tells me a story, I can tell them the mental health language behind that. So if someone says to me, "I can't sleep, I can't eat, and I always feel on guard," and I will say, "Well, oh, okay, well, you're having a flashback that's causing you to be hyper vigilant on guard, which means your nervous system can't go off." Okay, this is brilliant. Yeah, this is kind of. I think this is where my mind was trying to grapple with in the beginning mm -hmm. of our conversation with this language yeah. that I'm not used to hearing. So basically, you're telling us black yes. folks that we need to be bilingual. <laughs> yes, and here's the thing: this this is language I think that's always been there. We just have had limited access because yeah. if people knew 
what our bodies were going through, we'd be able to challenge our doctors, challenge lawyers, challenge whoever professional, because we know the language too. Gosh, that's amazing. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> mistrust. I want to talk about mistrust Let's too. Let's go. So you were talking about, um, you know, just a moment ago, talking to your clients through this repeated, vi- the, the repeated visuals of mm-hmm. anti-black violence mm-hmm. and that you, this is something that you're dealing with as you're trying to help them mm-hmm. cope as well. So, you know, as a black mental health professional, Y'all are few and far between. Yeah. It's really hard to find someone um, and then vet them to make sure they're the, the right person to fit our needs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then often in black communities, there's a small pool of us anyway mm-hmm. and a smaller pool of black professionals in mental health. So then the the struggle becomes everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So how do how do I know you're not running telling my business? That's oh, and that's a fact. And I think that is so good to p- bring up. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of my referrals are from friends of a friends or my family said. So it's always word yeah, of mouth, right? Sure. And I always tell people at the beginning. I said, hey, you know, we're only one to three degrees away from each other. I get that. Um, okay, because I know we're all six degrees from uh, Kevin Bacon, uh, but uh, we're one to three uh-huh. from each other. I would say that. Wow. Because I could be in my that office doing therapy with somebody, but then they're at the vendor show selling their stuff, and I want some. Yeah. You know? So I have to share with them what dual role means to me and how much I love my job. Like, I make a joke out of it. Like, I love my job. I don't want to be in KCCI.com. So <laughs> I signed a form. You signed a form. Your confidentiality is safe with me unless dot, dot, dot. You're going to harm yourself, going to commit a crime, going to go kill somebody. So, um, yeah, I make it real clear up front. That's not my job here. So confidentiality yes. is not just a word to you. Oh, it's not. It's a lifestyle. Uh, I think that's going to free somebody up mm-hmm. because I, that may be some of the hesitancy behind pursuing mental health care mm-hmm. is that mistrust. Absolutely. So to hear that you value confidentiality mm-hmm. could make all the difference for someone. Yes. Okay. That's great. When we sit down in your chair, can we talk about race? Absolutely. And then, I mean, because that makes me wonder, a lot of our struggle mental health wise mm-hmm. comes from discrimination. Yes. So how do we know if we're crazy or if we're just going through racism? Like, is there a difference between that? Like, where is that line? I love, this I don't questions. know if my question makes no, sense. No, I love them because listen, people need to know that there is freedom in their therapeutic experience. You are telling me and giving me evidence of what you've gone through. That way I can sprinkle in some stuff. Because I always share, you're the expert of your own life. I'm just sprinkling some stuff in that might make it better. Okay, finger snaps. Yes. I don't think I've heard a professional say you're the expert of your own Absolutely. life. I, I, don't, I don't even want to come in and tell you how to run it because you know how to run it. I want people to feel so confident, so bold, so competent about who they are that when they say, oh, I need something for that. Don't worry, I got a worksheet. See if this works. If it don't, tell me. So I just love to give people autonomy and permission and jurisdiction over their treatment. I love that. Are there black solutions for black problems? Uh. And I mean that because, like, (laughs) everything is is so uh, dominant Mm -hmm. culture-centric. That's my, yeah, dominant Mm -hmm. culture-centric. So. There are, you know, uh, 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 popular ways of approaching mental health. Yeah. And that can usually center the white experience, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, it usually 
has the the black experience on the periphery. Yeah. So what kind of solutions can you offer to black clientele um, that center their culture, their ways of knowing, their ways of moving about in the world? Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. One, I think it's really important for us all to know our own family history. Number two. Whoa, because we don't. Because we don't. And this is how you know you don't. When you go to the doctor and say, so can you give me your, like, family history about, like, your illnesses and things? And we're like, "Mm -hmm." That goes back to talking (laughs) to your family. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So I think we need to know our own family history. I also think that we need to know how our family fit in history. Because that gives us a lot of context of where our family was, how it got where it ended up. And then, two, if you're going to try to differentiate within your family, what does that look like for you? So you still are um, rooted in, in what you love, but also trying to figure out what else you can love outside of that family system. You mean you can love more things than what's in your familial context? What? Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> yes, you sure can. You sure can. Oh, you're freeing up a whole lot of people. <laughs> you sure can. Wow, I love that. Because, I mean, it's really hard to uh, go and see someone who gives you a solution that mm-hmm. has worked well in the textbook or it, it looks appropriate on paper yeah but it may not fit that the lifestyle or the cultural context that that person is in absolutely and I think one of the things that's always missing um, when people come to me is that no one's never normalized their experience no one's ever validated their I'd be mad too I'd feel a little jacked up too no one's ever validated it so that keeps people stuck when you give those two people you give those two formulas or those two traits within therapy you see progression pretty quickly because people are like, oh, my gosh, you don't think I'm crazy. How long does it take to fix somebody? Like pro- progression? I don't know. Yeah. I know I'm saying that in a crude way. I don't know. But it, but it depends yeah. on the severity of the trauma. Yeah. OK, so trauma is to me. And I heard this from Andrew Jacobs, one of my professors, my homie. He said trauma is anything that happens to you or around you. You didn't ask for it and you're left by yourself to figure it out. Shut up. Hold on. Wait a minute. Say that again. I will. Uh, trauma is anything that happens to you or around you. And you're left by yourself to figure it out. And you didn't ask for any of this stuff, but you're left by yourself to figure it out. That's everybody. Okay, we're all traumatized. Facts. <laughs> Facts. That's something. And you know what? Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's all on your perception or your P, POV, your point of view. You know, someone may think that, you know, breaking a nail is traumatic, but somebody might think losing their grandmother was ultra traumatic. You know what I mean? And so you can't, I can't dictate and say, mm, that wasn't traumatic. I don't know how it's impacting you. But, yeah, once you know the definition of trauma and then you're like, oh, my gosh, you've had 15 or, oh, my gosh, you've had 20 or, oh, my gosh, you've had five, you know, bodies are still recovering. If, if your nervous system is waiting for trouble all the time because you've always had some kind of trauma in your background or in your lens, you're always on. You're always, always on. Always on. Yeah. No downtime. And if, and if you are down, you're thinking to yourself a faulty internal message because of your family dynamic. You can't be lazy. You got to get up and work. You got to get up and do this. You can't, are you being selfish? Why are you being selfish again? And it's, if people knew the knowledge and the, the, um, the word and the research of the body, you would say different things to other people. You would. 
you're amazing. Okay, help me out with something. Okay. The difference between, this isn't one of my prepared questions. Okay. This is just coming up. Yeah. So the difference between selfish, self-centered, and self-care. Because, I mean, they all could be interchangeable in our community. And we do say them interchangeably, too. I mean, you. I mean, I've heard friends, I've heard myself say, I'm going to be selfish this weekend. Right. You know, and so, and then I say it's not a bad thing. Well, depending on the context of the other person listening, they could see it as some negative thing, right? Because they can't have it or they've never been exposed to it. So maybe their interpretation of selfishness is a little bit different. Now, you know, the key word of of selfish is self. And so when you think about um, self, I think about going inward, right? And so a lot of times I need solitude so I can see what's going on with myself. And um, that, to me, helps to preserve me. And so self-preservation, caring for oneself, making sure I'm eating well, making sure I'm looking all right, making sure, you know, my vitals are okay. So, I mean, I think it's, this is a it's it's layered, but I think it's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. Okay, I love that because self preservation kind of trumps them all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was doing during COVID. Um, I'd have clients, and they're talking to me about civil unrest and all the things, and then the BLM and the protesting, and in between sessions, I'd have to pray or I'd have to look at something positive or I'd have to go play with my son. Because I'm trying to preserve, so I have enough to give to the next person, you know. Sure. Yeah. Now you mentioned prayer, and then and, and I, I feel like religion has its benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, spirituality, relationship with the higher power, with mm-hmm. God, with however you know whatever someone's religious understanding is, that has its benefits. Absolutely. But I also think that in some ways religion has gotten black people twisted up. <laughs> and so, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, do you see church hurt? Do you see people with unresolved issues who are waiting on God? I mean, mm-hmm. do you see people who just want to pray about him? What do you tell them? Well, listen here. Okay. Another soapbox. Everybody knows my pastor, <laughs> knows my husband is a pastor. Moses oh, a. oh wait a minute. Senior. We got hey. the first lady in hey. the house. Hey, how you doing? How does this work? Well, how do you me- wear both of those hats? Oh, no pun intended. Yeah. So, so okay. I like to tell people I'm a therapist that's a Christian, right? I'm not doing Christian counseling all day because I know that's not everybody's context. And I know you're not coming to me, you know, for for Christian faith or Christian um, principles. Um, However, you know, if that's something you want to incorporate in your treatment, absolutely. But one thing that I know is this. Religion has created doctrine that cannot be backed up sometimes with spiritual stuff or biblical principles. And so many people get wound up in doing in ritualistic routine that they don't even have a relationship with whoever they feel they're serving. So you mean like I've got to be there at rehearsal and Bible study and like the the ritual of going to the church building and not really connecting to the spiritual component. Thank you. Or not not even the source. Wow. You're doing all these things. You don't even connect to the source. Just showing up, ushering and mad. Just upset. (laughs) Why are you mad? We've all had a mad usher and wonder what was wrong with them. Maybe they needed you. I think they needed you. (laughs) 
Usher. Those know. Mount Hebron ushers, no shade to Mount Hebron. But when I was younger, like those ushers did not play. Always mad. And, you know, yes, we respected those Mount Absolutely. Hebron ushers. But I wonder, did they need like some mental health counseling? They probably needed some relief for just somebody just to hold space for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We need to hold space for the usher board. You are so funny. I'm serious. <laughs> We need to hold space for the usher board, okay? Throw some of them deacons in there, too. Oh, my. Oh. All across the world, okay? <laughs> okay. This is amazing. Okay. So, I don't know. Confidentiality is important to you. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. However, I want to know, like, what is what is something this, like, outrageously funny that you've stumbled across in your practice? And, and I don't want you to, like tell on anybody but I mean have you ever just heard something that just had you cracking up or something that just <laughs> was completely like I don't know what to do for this person you know mm. oh wow that's a good question um a lot of the times I I it's not cracking up for me it's more of that's like that's a bad way to say it no 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 because there's some Sorry, stuff where I, where I be laughing like yeah. you know we laugh about things right yeah. but then there's other things where my eyes just come out of my head like a cartoon like yeah. you're not even supposed to be sitting here and I get more of those experiences than like the laughter because I'm just silly anyway so we just be in there chopping it up and making uh, I will tell you something that was funny okay okay so I was trying to help um, someone figure out how to find self-care again. Mm-hmm. So went back through their history. High school, they liked uh, art, and they liked to dance. Girl, don't you know I put a playlist on? I pulled my rug up. I said, let's get it then. Are you serious? We was doing the the cumbia. We was saucing. We listened to Selena. You had a whole house party? We had a house party. I love that. And we was in there sweating and out of breath. I said, how you feel, girl? She was like, that was so much fun. Yes. Yeah, we had fun. Okay, this is perfect because it's like you you reached her where she was. Absolutely. That's like embracing the cultural mm-hmm. context too. Mm-hmm. Okay, go Brienne. Yeah, I've had people make raps for me and everything. You I put a little trap and I'm in the background. Uh. uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I you got to get it how you get it. Yeah. Yeah, and so whatever is your strength, we're going to transfer that and put it into your treatment. Love it. Okay, so this is something that only um, someone could that only someone who understands your circumstance, your mm-hmm. your culture could provide for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we need y'all so bad. Mm-hmm. There's a there. I have a list of three pages of therapists of color in our town. So I'll make sure I will give that to you so you can Please have do, it. Please do, and we'll yeah. share that out. Absolutely. Thank you. That's a that's a list. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's better than. The Christmas list that people are making right now (laughs) for Christmas. What list you need? Let me give you this list. That's right. So speaking of the holidays, you know, people are stressed out right now. And I think it's important for us to really find healthy ways to cope with that. I mean, personally, Thanksgiving just passed Mm -hmm. and I don't celebrate Mm -hmm. traditional American holidays because I want to celebrate my own cultural Absolutely. leanings. So for the last like 10 years, we haven't celebrated traditionally Thanksgiving. However, uh, black folks enjoy a day off. I enjoyed my days off. So we mm-hmm. went over to some kinfolks house and we had a good old time. Mm-hmm. 36 people showed up mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh my God, I really, you know, I don't get down with crowds like I used to, mm-hmm. but I found it stressful. Uh-huh. It was hard. So how do you, what do you tell people? Like, how can we get through these holidays without being broke, busted, 
upset, <laughs> still still love our family. Like mm-hmm. we want to come out of this loving our family members and the people we care about. So what can we do to, to cope with all this holiday stuff? Know your capacity. Oh, know what? your capacity. Is that got to do with boundaries again? Um, or yeah, a little what, bit. How, tell me about know that. what you can do. Know what you can do. Know what you can tolerate because it changes depending on you know where you are in your life. Um, such back in the day, we used to love parties. I mean, yeah, let's eat, let's kick it, let's play cards and do all the things. Um, I think as you get older, though, as you learn your family context and, and you know, you just learn things um, and then your life changes. You know, you have kids, you got career and things of that nature. And so um, just know what you can do. And I've always told people to um, know your limit. If you want to go and spend time with your family, cool. But know your time limit uh, and no code word. I had one lady. A code word? Yeah, I had one lady say, I look at my husband and I say, you got some pickles? And that's their way to get out. Pickles? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. So know where your keys are, know where your Tupperware is, and get on <laughs> out of there. Yeah. Right. Because I think that you can show love. And here's the thing. The issue is when people start to become aware of the family secrets or the unresolved trauma, People don't want to get around that because it keeps them hypervigilant because you don't know who's going to pop off. The right drink might get the right fight going, you know what I'm saying, or the right argument or someone being bullied in the family, you know, and someone's, I can't do that anymore. So know your capacity, know your time limit, but then also um, know when it's okay to say no to certain family events. That's okay. You can still send Christmas cards and give them some cookies. You can mail it to them. I love that. Mm -hmm. So you're telling us to know our capacity. Absolutely. What we can tolerate, yep. what our limitations are. Yep. Develop some type of code word. Absolutely. To get the heck out. Yep. <laughs> and then. Just having a time allotment. To, yeah, a time allotment for mm-hmm. being there. Yep. And then no one to just flat out say, no, I can't make it. I can't be there. Yep. And that's okay to do. And that's okay. Okay. I think we're going to make it. <laughs> I think we're gonna make it through, so the, through the rest of 2023. Yeah, I think so too. What about the New Year's? Like resolutions? Should we be making resolutions? Is that safe? I don't know why people have to wait till January to change oh, their lives. Come on, we got to change our life every January, and then we are not accountable, <laughs> and then we mad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I believe that you don't. You should shoot towards goals. I mean, I mean that's motivation. It's it's self uh, starting abilities, all those things. But you don't always have to keep starting over again. Okay. You don't have to. Just edit what you've already put out there so it's more applicable to you. You know, people say, I want to drop 15 pounds. Let's start with five. Yeah. Start, start realistic. Be realistic yeah. about where you wanna, what you want to do. Yeah. I want to go to therapy once a week. Well, why don't we just make a go? I want to make a consultation appointment with a, the with a therapist. Make it realistic towards you. So you don't always have that, that feeling of guilt and shame because you can't keep things together. Wow. Okay. I think we've got our marching orders. Mm. So, Brianne, every episode we ask our guests mm-hmm. to bring a book or recommend a book that you've either read or are currently reading that has changed you, is challenging you, or, you know, broadened your perspective. Mm-hmm. What book recommendation do you have for our listening audience today? Okay, so I have two. Uh, yay! Okay. The more the merrier. <laughs> so one of the books um, that I believe is helpful when we think about racial oppression, systematic uh, oppression, is this book called Out of the Fire. Um, it's, it's by Dr. Um, Jennifer Shepard Payne, 
And her preface for this is she wants to heal black trauma that's been caused by systems over and over again, but she wants to use acceptance and commitment um, to get people over. So let's accept that bad things happen to us. Uh, We don't have to keep trying to get our reparations in which, you know, former world has told us we're entitled to, but let's commit to doing something different, you know. So that one is a good one. And then, you know, something that's spiritually based for me um, is uh, the book by uh, Dr. Darius Daniels. It's called Your Purpose is Calling. Oh, that's an amazing title. Yeah. 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 Because a lot of times why people lose steam is they don't know why they're here. And uh, when people don't have the words to talk about their trauma, they sit on it. And so when people get that and then they're like, okay, so what's next? Well, let's talk about purpose. So Dr. Daniels, um, Your Purpose is Calling. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I have a book recommendation as well. Yay. It's sitting on my shelf right now in the studio. It is called Stay Woke, A Meditation Guide for the Rest of Us by Justin Michael Williams. It's okay. like a textbook okay. that you can literally flip through to the section that applies to you. Mm-hmm. And it gives you breathing techniques you can do, stuff to think about, activities you can kind of distract yourself with. So I found that to be helpful for me. So maybe that'll help somebody. I don't know. Nice. You're the expert. Nice. Well, I want to read it. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, this is great. How can our listeners find you, learn more, follow you? Absolutely. Um, you can Google my name, Brianne Ward. You can go to Forward Consulting, LLC. Um, and you can find me there. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And I'm on LinkedIn. Wonderful. You're everywhere. <laughs> That's good. Yes. That's good. Please, if you need help, seek out Brienne. If you're not in the Des Moines area, still seek out Brienne mm-hmm. and she can probably point you in the right direction. Absolutely, I can. Right. Awesome. Wonderful. Brienne, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It was a good time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this insightful episode of Black and Privileged in America podcast. I hope my conversation with Brienne Ward around black mental health And all of the stuff we talked about, coping with the holiday stress, and even the three tips that she gives us, knowing your capacity, what your tolerations are, what you're able to tolerate, knowing um, how long to stay somewhere, and then developing a code word to get the heck out, (laughs) and then saying no to events because you just need to chill out. All of that stuff is okay, and I hope it's moved you. I hope it's moved you. Your well-being matters. And it's okay to prioritize your mental health. Let's continue to support each other, break down barriers and stigma, and be a community of understanding. This has been Black and Privileged in America podcast, and I'm your host, Abana Sankofa. Many thanks to our sponsor, Infinite Resources. Follow Amplified DSM Network on Anchor, YouTube, and our very own platform, AmplifiedDSM.com. Subscribe, leave a a review, and share with your colleagues and friends. Check out my website, abanasankofa.com, and thanks for listening. Until next time. This podcast is brought to you by Infinite Resources, a local staffing agency connecting diverse job candidates and central Iowa companies. Amplified.